It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome into 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today we are going to react to the San Francisco 49ers 31-7 NFC Championship game loss at the hands of the Philadelphia Eagles as the San Francisco 49ers for consecutive seasons see their season end in the NFC Championship game. Just one win away from going to the Super Bowl, and wow... I don't think there are any words that really can explain what happened on Sunday between the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. This was supposed to be the clash of titans. The number one seeded Eagles against the number two seeded most consecutive wins in the 2022-2023 season. San Francisco 49ers, this was supposed to be an all-out brawl in Philadelphia. Fist for fist, punch for punch, Rocky against Apollo Creed, and it ended up being what is going to go down as, if not the biggest, one of the biggest letdowns in not just Niners playoff history, but also NFL playoff history. In my short 26 years of life, I have seen the San Francisco 49ers lose big game after big game. Kyle Williams, back-to-back fumbles against the Giants. Losing in the against the Ravens in the Super Bowl at the goal line to blowing a 10-point lead against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl in 2019 when you finally think you've made it, finally think you got the guy in Jimmy Garoppolo, everything crumbles the last minute. And even last year, to, I would argue, have the better team One interception potentially away from getting back to the promised land. But the difference is, in all of those games, I can point to certain plays, a certain instance, where I can say, that might have been the reason we lost. I can point to and say, well, at least we gave our hearts and let them out on the field. At least the team played as hard as they could, they just weren't the better team that day. I can point to it and say, at least we know what the outcome was. In this game, while yes, there was a winner and a loser, we will never know what would have happened had Brock Purdy played the entire game. We'll never know what the outcome would have been had Brock Purdy played three and a half quarters of football. We'll always know what the outcome is knowing Brock Purdy played five minutes in just half of the first drive San Francisco had. Losing this game is not like the others. Losing this game, it was like the metaphorical balloon was deflated before you even had a chance to see it glow up. 
losing this game felt like you thought you had a chance. This felt like, if not the year to win the sixth Lombardi Trophy in team history, it at least felt like the opportunity to do so. And that was ripped out of the fans' arms, the players' arms, and they could do nothing about it. That's the most frustrating part is once Brock Purdy went down, the season was over, it was lost, and I don't know about you, but I was just saying if he can only get back out there in the second half, if they can just find some way somehow to keep it close, they can give him a cortisone shot, wrap his arm up, give him something, seek medical attention, and get him back out there. Obviously unknowing how serious the injury was. But after seeing Brock Purdy go to Kyle Shanahan and, and mouthed, Coach, I can't throw. It was at that moment where you either said one of two things. Season's over with. Wrap it up. It's done. It's another San Francisco 49ers let down late in the year, albeit very different this time. Another catastrophic ending to an amazing, magical season for the San Francisco 49ers. Or you said, defense, just hold on. Just hold on for a little bit. We can still win this game. We just have to play perfect. And I could argue that they answered the call. San Francisco's defense in this game through at least three quarters after or before things got out of hand late with Trent Williams body slamming a guy and Ufunga getting a you know unnecessary roughness call, they were lights out. Yes, there were a bunch of penalties in this game, and we'll get to that stuff. But I want to give the Niners' defense a ton of credit. I want to give San Francisco's offense, who was literally hamstrung with a four-string quarterback for like two drives, then a one-arm quarterback who couldn't do anything offensively. They fought. And in adversity, this team has always fought. From losing Trey Lance, to getting Jimmy Garoppolo, to losing Jimmy Garoppolo, to getting Brock Purdy, to losing Brock Purdy, to getting Josh Johnson, to losing Josh Johnson, to getting back a one-arm quarterback... And Brock Purdy, who's injured with a torn UCL and is likely going to miss, if not six months, nine to 12 months, they fought. The Niners in this game tied it 7-7. to At a certain point, this game was 14-7, to potentially going into halftime with one minute left in the second quarter. And that's when things fell apart. That is when the season for San Francisco ended with one minute left in Philadelphia. A botched snap. Josh Johnson goes in the third quarter, down 21-7. to And the unfortunate part is, even if this team looked each other in the eye and said, we can still do this. We can still fight. We can still go out there and give everything we have. It was never going to be enough. This team, after winning with a third-string Mr. Irrelevant quarterback, what is it, 13 straight games, or 12 straight games, excuse me, after winning 12 straight games from 3-4 and four to 15-4 and four on the year, now 15-5, and five, they fought. They never gave up. They knew they had a chance every single Sunday, and to see... That on the biggest stage of them all, outside of the Super Bowl, 
in a place to punch their ticket and an opportunity for that sixth Lombardi trophy. The quest for six was on the line. And after all the fighting they did to see that their opportunity, their chance, the ability to fight was taken away five minutes into the first quarter. As a fan, that sucks. As a player, I can't imagine what that feels like. For Brock Purdy, and he said to himself that, yes, the injury sucks for me, we'll see what happens, but I feel for guys like Fred Warner and Trent Williams and George Kittle and the veteran guys on this team that deserve a championship. And that's what makes hoisting the Lombardi Trophy even more special. That not everybody gets to do it that deserves it. And the worst feeling of all is knowing that you arguably had your best roster, your best quarterback, your best chance to at least get to Arizona, Brock Purdy's hometown, to cap off the Cinderella story. And instead of even getting the opportunity to have four quarters to battle back and forth, had you lost against Philadelphia with Brock Purdy at the helm, we all would have said, that sucks, but the better team won. But to know that that opportunity was ripped out of their hands, that's what hurts the most. And now, knowing a potential year-long recovery is ahead of Brock Purdy, going the next year with so much uncertainty. Now, is it Tom Brady? Is it Trey Lance? Is Jimmy Garoppolo back? Is Andy Dalton back? I mean... There's there's so many questions revolving around the quarterback room, which at a certain point this year, four minutes into that game, prior to Brock Purdy getting hurt, there were no questions. It was, he is the man. He is QB number one. And now we don't just leave the game wondering what could have been. We leave the game thinking, what's going to happen next? Instead of leaving this game saying, wow, we lost, but we have the guy. Year two of Brock Purdy is going to be special. We leave the game saying, is there even going to be a year two for Brock Purdy? San Francisco didn't just lose the game. They potentially lost what could have been what seemed to be their franchise quarterback for the whole year. It sucks to process what exactly happened on Sunday between San Francisco and Philadelphia, well, words can't describe exactly how I feel. Frustration. Annoyed. It feels like we were cheated from at least the chance to fight. And... It sucks to see a team like Philadelphia, who is a great team. They're a really good defensive line. Like they, they are an amazing team. Amazing team. We knew coming into this game, it was going to be a battle of two juggernauts in the NFC. But what I hate, and we'll start here. 11 minutes into the podcast, we'll start here. Postmortem. We talked before the Seattle game, before the Dallas Cowboy game, after the Dallas Cowboy game, the media narrative 
And what sickens me is that the media narrative now isn't, wow, San Francisco didn't even get an opportunity. What did you expect to happen on their fourth string quarterback who's played 13 years in the NFL and can't keep a job? Who also happened to get hurt in the game? That's not the conversation. The conversation is now is how good Philadelphia is. And they're a great team. Philadelphia did not beat the San Francisco 49ers. Philadelphia, for all the good they've done this year, an MVP caliber quarterback who was held to 121 yards passing. No deep balls that were actually caught in this game. I do not understand the media narrative, the conversation, the dialogue behind, look what Philadelphia did against San Francisco. They dominated them. No, they didn't. Philadelphia got the golden ticket. They won. Congratulations. This happens. It's life. It's no one's fault. It's not Philadelphia's fault Brock Purdy got hurt. It was a good play by a good player in Hassan Reddick. Tyler Croft, you have to make that block. You have to make that block. It's play action. That's your assignment, and you missed. And your quarterback got hurt. Again, it happens. In fact, it's happened three times this year, and it sucks. And I cannot think of another organization that has quarterback luck like San Francisco. To thinking you had the guy in 2019 and Jimmy Garoppolo, or actually in 2017, he tears his ACL in 2018, 2019 comes back, he's the man, he's awesome, he's a top 10 quarterback in football, falls apart late, 2020, oh, maybe it's Tom Brady, maybe it's Aaron Rodgers, what is San Francisco going to do, they've lost faith in Jimmy Garoppolo, 2021 he comes back, Trey Lance is behind him, goes to the NFC Championship game and guts it out for his team, they lose unfortunately, hampered, <laughs> The end of the season, with an amazing year, a loss. This year, same thing. When you think you have the guy, it crumbles late. But the media narrative, what, what, what the national media is saying, is essentially the Philadelphia Eagles beat a fully functional Niners team, and they did not. And even when San Francisco was not fully functional, this game was 14-7, to the defense playing lights out. Mooney Ward, Demo Lenore were playing lights out. Philadelphia's passing offense was considered moot. They did nothing. San Francisco held Jalen Hurts to 121 passing yards in this game. They made A.J. Brown an amazing number one receiver. Devontae Smith, an amazing could be number one receiver on any other team in football. They made an MVP caliber quarterback who had the number six deep passing offense in football. They negated that. Jalen Hurts was pretty much a non-factor in the passing game. And his only real impactful play was a quarterback sneak for a touchdown at the one-yard line. San Francisco's defense, despite the loss... Despite the score saying 31-7, to they deserve a ton of credit. Which makes me believe had Brock Purdy been healthy, could have been a loss still. But the media narrative is not, oh my goodness, Philadelphia dominated San Francisco. Had Brock Purdy played, 
again, could have still been a loss. But I can guarantee you this is a fight to the end. This is a punch-for-punch, blow-for-blow. And I hate to break it to you, Philadelphia fans. I respect you. You have a great team. I have no idea who I want to win the Super Bowl. Probably won't even watch it, to be honest with you. I I just, I, I have no interest in it. None, whatsoever. But, you, you got lucky. And, and that's life. Sometimes luck's on your side, and sometimes it's not. Niner fans, it seems like luck's not on our side. And it sucks. But, there are much bigger conversations now than the game itself. It's quarterback of the future. Is it Lance, Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo, whoever it might be. And we'll get into that much later in the offseason. But let's talk about the game itself and how it started. Because it's funny, (laughs) in in the pregame, the bigger question wasn't the health of Brock Purdy. It was the health of Elijah Mitchell. And Adam Schefter said on ESPN, he's going to play. Not sure how much, but he's going to play. Then Matt Mayoko says, 99% chance he's not going to play. And I'm sitting here saying, are we going to have a source off between Schefter and Mayoko? <laughs> I mean, like, this is one of the most connected guys in the NFL media and one of the most connected guys in the Niners organization, and they're going to have a source off. What, like, this is pregame. What the heck is happening? Obviously, Mitchell didn't play, so Mayoko wins this round, but it was at that moment where there was an inkling of, okay, something's going on here. Or there was, you know, the dread started to creep in the back of my head of like, okay, now we don't have the power back, it's all on CNC, CMC had an ankle or a calf injury, like, okay, like this, alright Debo, you're gonna have to step up in the running game. Then the first drive of the freaking game, fourth down, San Francisco's defense doing their job, going out there, trying to make a statement, trying to prove they can stop one of the best offenses in football, the MVP finalist in Jalen Hurts, and they do it. They did it. And the refs and the NFL bailed them out. Many fans want to point to Kyle Shanahan for not throwing the red flag. I get it. But that's not exactly on Kyle Shanahan. Yes, you can argue, be aggressive. Throw a challenge flag. It's a huge play in the game. It put them in the red zone instantly on one play because coverage broke after a broken down play itself. Shanahan doesn't throw it, and it hurts even more knowing he took three timeouts into halftime. The difference is, I would assume he expected his quarterback to play the whole half, and he couldn't. He wanted to be conservative in a moment where I can't disagree with him. He can't see the angle. My bigger issue is... The NFL and the referees. I'm not here to complain about how bad they were. I'm not going to talk about, you know, we were treated unfairly, we were cheated out of a game. I'm not going to say that. Because the refs, in the bigger picture, Brock Purdy going down hurts far far much more than the refs and what they did on Sunday. And actually both games, Bengals-Chiefs, Niners-Philadelphia, both were bad. But what hurts more is that in the biggest games in the playoffs this year thus far, with four teams fighting for immortality, or at least the chance at immortality, the NFL and the refs took matters into their own hands or 
after touting them as these are our best officials, they look like a bunch of freaking jabronis. The NFL, after the game, told Adam Schefter, yeah, we know it's a problem, we're trying to fix it. It's too late. You can't fix something when the biggest games have already been played. You've either cheated the team out of winning, or you have already made a statement of you don't care. What happened on Sunday on 4th down hurts to Devontae Smith a huge play that gave Philadelphia essentially 7 points on the board. Was not a catch. And instead of blaming Kyle Shanahan, I blame the NFL. Stop the play. No one is going to complain if you stop play and try to make the right call. You want to get it right, don't you? It's a huge play. And the NFL has every right to stop play and say, look, let's make sure we get this one right. This game matters more than the other ones do. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And they didn't. They didn't. And that's frustrating knowing that. And and, and the Eagles did the right thing. Get up to the line, no huddle, run a play. It's not Philadelphia's fault. It's the NFL's fault. Philadelphia did things right. Kyle Shanahan shouldn't have to throw a challenge flag on the field. This isn't a, a fumble. This isn't a, you know, you know, I, you know, where's the spot of the ball or, you know, is it a first down or not? It's this is not this is a fourth down conversion for thirty plus yards in your opponent's red zone, and the NFL said we don't care, and that's what's frustrating. Now look, if we flip things, and we're Philadelphia in this case, we're gonna say, whatever, <laughs> sorry. It's not their fault. I'm not blaming the Eagles at all. I'm blaming the NFL. Because the NFL, time after time, whether it's San Francisco or other teams before us and after us, this has been a problem for decades. The refs have been a constant conversation for years, and the NFL still neglects to figure things out and get them right. Still chooses referees who are considered their best crews to come out and play in the biggest games every single year. There's no consistency. None whatsoever. None. Either have refs, don't have refs. I'd rather have no refs than bad refs. I'm tired of seeing, whether it's us or somebody else, I'm tired of seeing somebody get screwed on one play. It sucks. It's not fair to the team playing in that game. It wasn't fair to San Francisco on Sunday. Like, you cannot tell me the NFL could not call a timeout for 30 seconds. They do it literally all the time. Take a timeout, official review, get the play right. And that's what's frustrating the most. But again, Philadelphia scores, it's 7-0. Brock Purdy gets hurt, Tyler Croft misses a block. And look, there have been plenty of people blaming Kyle Shanahan for what happened on Sunday. 
no. We aren't doing that. It's not his fault. Kyle Shanahan takes no blame in what happened on Sunday. You can blame him for the 2016 Super Bowl, 28-3, his fault, or partially his fault. You can blame him for 2019 with a 10-point lead and 7 minutes left. Partially his fault. You can even blame him for last year against the Rams on 3rd and 1 on a Kyle Juszczyk run. And not having Debo Samuel on the field. You can partially blame him for that. You cannot blame him for this game. Shanahan did not get Brock Purdy hurt. He did not get Josh Johnson hurt. It is, for whatever reason, the <laughs> it's the curse of Kyle Shanahan. Of every quarterback he has had in San Francisco, Jimmy G, Nick Mullins, Trey Lance, Brock Purdy, now Josh Johnson as well, they all have gotten hurt. They all have suffered season-ending injuries. Jimmy G torn ACL. Jimmy G high ankle sprain. Trey Lance broken foot. Jimmy Garoppolo broken foot. And I can argue last year, had Jimmy, had there not been playoff hopes, I could argue Garoppolo likely wouldn't have played late in the year last year as well. With a jacked up shoulder and thumb. Now this year, Brock Purdy, torn UCL, could miss half a next year in the entire offseason. A pivotal offseason for a second year rookie looking to continue his success. That's not Kyle Shanahan's fault though. He didn't, like, coaches coach, players play. 31 other teams call that play call. 31 other tight ends make that block. It happened to just be one play at the wrong time. And it sucked. And to me, what was more egregious was, I don't think it was the play calling. I do think there were missed assignments on the offensive line, at least in that first drive. Just that first drive for San Francisco. I saw Hassan Reddick, who was tied for second in football with sacks. He was free. He was a free runner on two consecutive plays. The one that didn't hurt Purdy, and the one that did hurt Purdy. Like, San Francisco was already playing with fire early in that game again. I have no idea what the play call was or the blocking assignments were. But when you see the NFL's second or, or, or number two in sacks player running freely on two consecutive plays, that's a problem. And I said, uh-oh, uh-oh, and then boom, injury, season's over with. But even then, San Francisco goes on to force three punts. Again, the defense forces three punts. Does their job to keep them in this game. Chris McCaffrey breaks four tackles on an amazing run because Juwan Jennings misses a block. Actually missed two blocks. And he makes up for it. Home run play. We were seeing the fruits of the labor come to prosper on Sunday in Chris McCaffrey. Chris McCaffrey, of all the talk about Grady's been continues to prove why he has been a home run trade for San Francisco. And he gets to be here the next three seasons, hopefully. But to me, what sucks, and speaking of Christian McCaffrey, is, man, it, it, it just, losing this game just makes your mind go wild, right? It makes you ponder everything and question everything and just wonder, you know, 
you know, the, the always next year crowd. And I get that's, that's, that's the mentality you have to have, right? We'll get him next year. And with football, like this is not baseball. It's not basketball. Albeit injuries can still happen, but George Kittle healthy all year long outside of the first couple weeks. Trent Williams healthy almost all year long outside of what, two weeks this year? Chris McCaffrey healthy literally all year long. I know the quarterbacks were hurt. I get that. But these guys are getting older. They're getting banged up. They're getting bruised. They've played through plenty of injuries this year alone. But next year's not promised. We've seen 2019, then 2020. And the fact that this team is going to play in two consecutive, or already has played in two consecutive NFC Championship games, nothing is promised. And that's why it hurts even more. Because you see Chris McCaffrey put this offense on his back when it needs him the most to come through. Breaks four tackles, if not the best play this season for San Francisco. Clutch play. Needs seven points. Four-string quarterback. Chris McCaffrey jukes. He jives. Breaks four tackles. Hops up. Breaks another tackle and goes to the house. He inspired and give and gave myself and I'm assuming yourself hope that they can actually pull this thing out. That San Francisco might have an opportunity, a chance, just give us a chance to pull this out. And I'm not going to lie to you, I was sitting in my front room with my dad and I was saying, just give us a quarterback. Oh, it needs a quarterback. We can still pull this thing off. We can still do this. We have enough. We're going to win this game still. And Brock Purdy's going to come back in the Super Bowl. We're going to win this thing. Just let us get to the next game. The defense is too good. Our offense has all the weapons in the world. We can still win this thing. And then seven penalties for seven first downs against San Francisco helps Philadelphia march down the field and eventually put up 31 points. San Francisco, despite playing an amazing game defensively for three quarters, doing everything they could to fight back, to hold off the inevitable, to give and open a window of opportunity for the offense somehow are still so undisciplined come playoff time. Some penalties I can point to and say, that's eh, kind of ticky-tack, right? Jimmy Ward's defensive P.I., A.J. Brown engaged contact. T.Y. McGill's illegal hands of the face. He was being held. But there are other plays, like Drake Greenlaw. You can't commit unnecessary roughness plays. You can't do that stuff. Hufunga, you can't do that stuff in the red zone. And I get it, it's late, for Hufunga at least, and you can feel the pressure mounting, the game's out of control, and you're frustrated. The refs weren't great. It seemed like at a certain point in the game, everything was going Philadelphia's way. I'm not doing NFL rigged crap, I'm not saying that at all. Because San Francisco, at, like the penalties San Francisco committed were penalties. The issue is that they, they were not called when Philadelphia engaged or was doing something equally that would have negated the penalty. And that's what makes fans frustrated, knowing that, yes, what I did was wrong, but what they also did was wrong and it wasn't being called. 
That's the frustrating part. Now, I know there's plenty of videos going out there saying Lane Johnson wasn't foul starting. It, it was a perfect, you know, he was on with the ball and the snap. I'm telling you right now, it seemed like every single play he was false starting. And everyone's talking about, where was Nick Bosa? Where was Nick Bosa? Well, when the guy's in the backfield before you can even move because the ball isn't snapped yet, what do you expect to happen? And San Francisco's defensive line, Javon Kinlaw, who I thought had really a couple bad plays, wasn't awful the entire game. Eric Armstead and Menehue, like... They were good enough, and that's what sucks so much. San Francisco played a winning game defensively. And had they just had a quarterback. What did George Kittle say? I won't say it verbatim because it's a bad word, but George Kittle said, when asked, what's it feel like to fight this hard and have to play an NFC Championship game with no quarterback? How does that feel? And explicitly, he said another word for poopy. <laughs> like, he was not happy. And I get it. And, like, that's the raw frustration of, like, yeah, like, like we had to play a football game with no quarterback. And fans saying, why didn't Kyle use the Wildcat? That thought came into my mind, too. Why can't Kyle Juszczyk, who was supposed to be the the emergency quarterback, why isn't Chris McCaffrey, who you let throw a pass this year against the Rams for a touchdown, why isn't he playing quarterback? Even the broadcast said, can you at least get a quarterback in there that can actually run the football? Whether it's Juszczyk, or it's Chris McCaffrey, or it's Jawan Jennings, who did play quarterback at Tennessee, why isn't Kyle doing something? But then you realize that, okay, if you do that, McCaffrey and Juszczyk and Jennings aren't in the quarterback room. They don't know all of the routes for each play. They don't know the reads. Your your offense is going to be limited. And I get maybe you say, well, it, it, the quarterback couldn't throw, so you might as well have a few plays in there. And yeah, I, I get it. But if you're Kyle Shanahan, what do you say? Hey, hey, CMC, go play quarterback when we have no running back. When... Jordan Mason's not that great. He's good. He's young, but he's not that great. Mitchell can't play. And Tevin Coleman's out there. Like, maybe you put Debo in the backfield and CMC's the quarterback and you have Juszczyk out there. There's just, like... It's at that moment where, for all the talk of Kyle Shanahan doesn't devoid from the script, no head coach is out there saying, I have a master plan. You know, my genius can show here. We even talked about how Kyle Shanahan... This was his opportunity to prove that he can annihilate and cut through an amazing defense in Philadelphia. And I still believe had Brock Purdy been healthy, that was going to happen. But when Brock Purdy's not healthy, and you have Josh Johnson, who I get was only here because he knew the playbook and they needed someone late in the year to play backup quarterback for their third string guy. He's not expected to play in this game. Brock Purdy hasn't shown that he can't play or can't stay healthy through eight games. And Shanahan's, like, my heart feels bad for him. How do you think he feels? He thought he had the guy. He thought, like, what he openly said, he is the most poised rookie quarterback I've ever had. 
Shanahan believed in Brock Purdy. We still believe in Brock Purdy. And to have all the hope in the world in this kid. To now people be yelling, Why didn't you play Chris McCaffrey at quarterback or Kyle Juszczyk or Jawan Jennings or Wildcat? The offense wasn't going to look any different. So what, you have 13 plays to, to use and, and that's it? Once Philadelphia saw Brock Purdy couldn't throw, they put six defensive linemen up there and said, Okay, <laughs> I mean, good luck. Like, there was nothing San Francisco could do at all. Nothing they could do to win this game. It would have taken Herculean efforts from Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, who were rendered useless because no one could get them the football. I mean, Debo Samuel in this game could do nothing offensively because when you have a team stacking the box, jet sweeps can't work, running plays can't work, and you can't pass in the football. He had six carries for minus nine yards and three catches for 33 yards. Like, again, <laughs> there is, like, like this game, you can't even take anything from it other than Brock Purdy got hurt, it changed the entire game, and that's what ruined it for San Francisco. But even then, even then, like, I don't know, it just blows my mind. Like, trying to, you know, sift through the, the outcome of, like, you know, what could have happened? What could have changed the outcome of the game for San Francisco? Like, what could they have done differently to help them win this game? What could Kyle Shanahan have done to change the outcome? And the answer is nothing. Like, I thought Jimmy Ward was great in this game. Mooney Ward, great in this game. Lenore was phenomenal in this game. And to know that you have the number one defense in football who did their job, who carried a heavy load this year. To see an offense explode late in the year with Chris McCaffrey and Brock Purdy to averaging nearly 30 points a game. To then have to rely on Josh Johnson than a one-armed quarterback. It just... It's so, it's so annoying. <laughs> it sucks so bad. Like, my God. To sit here knowing that another team is in your spot. Another team, like Philadelphia, who's again a great team. To know they are in your position. Basically because they were handed the opportunity. Handed the NFC Championship game by no fault of their own, but just sucks it's disheartening to know that how hard these guys fought from training camp all the way to the end and I think late in the game you could sense that frustration you can see how annoyed the guys were you can see like like Trent Williams talked about before the Seattle game how the sting of last year's loss to the Rams in the NFC title game hurt them they didn't get over that that still affected them and you could tell that late in the game, when they saw when he saw a player, Kevon Wallace, with his with his hands on Debo Samuel's face bash for about a minute, he saw and said, Look, nah, I'm done. This sucks. I'm tired of this. Like this game has gone every way it was not supposed to go. That they could sense 
they could sense the game being ripped out of their hands. Even one player said, and he doesn't say who it is, but they said it felt like once Brock Purdy got hurt that the NFL said, don't let them win. You have to make sure Philadelphia gets to the next round. And look, that might feed into the NFL rigged conspiracy stuff on Twitter. I'm not doing that, but you can tell from a player standpoint, there was frustration saying, you know, we fought all year long, and now at this point, it's getting taken away from us. And so what does Trent Williams do? Helps us and protects his guy, albeit I think it was a little unnecessary, but I can see his standpoint. You know, pretty much rips off Kevon Wallace off of Debo Samuel, tosses him to the ground, gets tossed out of the game, and, and look... I don't think that's exactly how Trent Williams would say he'd like to represent himself. Trent's a great guy. But going back to my point of the sting of last year's loss, I don't think as a fan base, as a player, you can ever get past the sting of this loss. All the talk of revenge tour and this is the year and the players felt that too. The players knew coming into this game, or at least felt like they were the better team against Philadelphia. Fred Warner said that we thought we had a game plan that was going to help us win this game. And the offense couldn't hold up their end because the quarterback got hurt. And that sucks to hear from a veteran team. A great, great team. An historic team. We were comparing this team to the 2000 Ravens. And on Sunday against Philadelphia for three quarters, they performed like that. This wasn't a blowout. Like the the Bucks score might say thirty one to seven, but th- this game was really, in my opinion, like a fourteen to seven game for three quarters. It really was. Like Philadelphia only scored ten points in the second half, ten points, and he scored twenty one in the first half because Brock Purdy got hurt. And because of a play the refs didn't see and didn't get to review because they're dumb. <laughs> like, the the media can say, Philadelphia, they, they just took it to San Francisco. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Injuries, once again, took it to San Francisco. Listen to this. Niners quarterbacks this year, Trey Lance, fractured fibula, Ligament damage required two surgeries to his ankle. Jimmy Garoppolo, broken foot in December, will be a free agent. And Brock Purdy, torn UCL, that will sideline him at least for six months. At least for six months. Niner injuries at quarterback under Kyle Shanahan. 2017. CJ Beathard gets hurt. Garoppolo takes over, wins five straight games. Real... Ushers in their Garoppolo era in San Francisco. Then 2018, Garoppolo tears his ACL. 2020, Mullins tears his UCL. The same thing Brock Purdy just did. When Nick Mullins and Brock Purdy are the only two quarterbacks ever in 100 plus years to acquire Tommy John surgery under the same coach on the same team. You can't make this up. 2020, Garoppolo, two high ankle sprains, done for the year. 2021, Garoppolo, calf strain, torn thumb, messed up shoulder, Lance, chipped finger, cost him a couple games. 2020, Lance, broken ankle, Garoppolo, broken foot, Purdy, torn UCL. You cannot 
make up the quarterback luck or curse they've had. You, you, you can't you can't make it up at all. And thankfully, I guess you can say there might be some good news in here that Brock Purdy might only miss six months. And if that's the case, he's back for late training camp, early preseason. But now you got fans saying Brady and, and Bring Jimmy and Aaron Rodgers and Trey Lance. And once again, the quarterback room has become a contention. And for the first time since 2019, it seemed like that wasn't the case. When you thought you had the guy and Jimmy Garoppolo and you're feeling great, you know, it feels great, baby, right? You know? And now we're here and we're saying, oh, it's Brock Purdy. You know, it's Mr. Irrelevant. It, it, this is going to be a Cinderella story. And once again, our hearts get ripped out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our hearts are on the floor. They were stabbed. They were crushed. I mean, this... I'm gutted, not for just the fans, but for the team. Like, trying to verbally process what they're going through physically, knowing they put in the work and I just cover the team, we just watch the games. Like, I can't imagine the anguish they went through. And on top of that, on top of losing the game... Losing your quarterback for at least six months, if not 12 plus months, with a torn UCL. Having Trey Lance, what seems like might not be ready for OTAs and training camp because of the ankle injury that had two surgeries. Maybe they have to bring in a veteran quarterback. Knowing all the conversation of there are question marks everywhere now. Having McGlinchey and Jimmy Ward and Nick Bosa. Having big free agent questions come up and say, look, you got to re-sign somebody. <laughs> Who's it going to be? Who are you going to lose in the free agency? You also have a defensive coordinator who is going to be the next head coach of the Houston Texans, barring something crazy changing, if he already isn't by the time this is recorded. Demeco Ryans has been a phenomenal defensive coordinator. Losing Robert Sala sucked, and we didn't know what the future held defensively. There were players there, there were cornerstone players there, but we had no idea what was going to happen. How was a new scheme, a essentially a regime coming in defensively, how are they going to look? And it got better. This defense was better than it was in 2019. With an older but elite Richard Sherman, an elite Jimmy Ward, Fred Warner, Greenlaw, Bosa, D. Ford, who had a great year despite health issues, Buckner, and Armstead, and a rookie Emmanuel Mosley. Better than that team. With, I can argue, less names, at least known widely in football. Who knows Mooney Ward? Not many. Who knows Demo Lenore? Not many. Who knows Tayshawn Gibson? Not many. Who knows Charles Menahue? Not many. Ebukam? Probably none. <laughs> Kevin Givens? Like, this team didn't have essentially the big names. They had Bosa and they had Warner. 
But no one knows who Dre Greenlaw is. We know he's amazing. But no one knows who these guys are. And Demeco Ryan said, I can win with this team. I can take what Robert Sala implanted in you. What he set up and I can take it to a new height. And he did that. And it's seeing his final game after turning down the Vikings head coaching job last year on the team bus back from Dallas saying, no, coach, I'm not leaving, Shanahan. I'm staying for one more year. You got me one more year. Let's go win this thing. And to see his hopes, his dream of getting a Super Bowl rip out of his hands, knowing that his unit had to carry the load and did for three quarters, only proves to me that he is so... If, you, if it already wasn't proven, he's built to be a head coach. He is built to be a leader of men. He is built to establish a culture. And Demeco Ryan's... It's going to suck losing you, man. It really is. Whether it's Vic Fangio or somebody else, it is going to suck losing Demeco Ryan's. Could, they be, could it be better next year? Sure. But it's hard to imagine you being better than a number one defense in football. Whether it's Fangio or somebody else, whether it's inside the building or outside, losing the best defensive coordinator in football that has had a historic level of success in and out of the playoffs. To know he held an MVP caliber quarterback to 121 yards. To know that Philadelphia averaged on the ground 3.4 yards a carry and 4.8 yards per pass. He held Jalen Hurts to a 64.4 quarterback or QBR, excuse me, and a 72.3 rating. He held Devontae Smith and AJ Brown to six combined receptions in 64 yards. In one of those plays, 29 yards shouldn't have counted. <laughs> Demeco Ryan's has been absolutely amazing. And for this to be his last game, an awful send-off that's just disheartening to hear this is the way he has to go out. But knowing that he's going to make Houston, if he indeed does sign there, if he already hasn't signed there, he can turn that culture around. Go back to where his career started and turn that thing around. It sucks to lose you to Mecco. This is not the year or how we thought the year was going to end. But if it's going to end this way with... Our quarterback getting hurt. Maybe the other quarterback not being able to play for a little bit in Trey Lance. To lose the game itself. And now you. It feels like it's gut punch after gut punch after gut punch. But I think we all know that the future holds bright things. Not only for San Francisco. But also for Demeco Ryans. And I wish him good luck. I think we all can say thank you Demeco collectively. And say wow. Like... You were better than any of us thought could be. And you can take Houston, you know, the Texans to the next level, hopefully. Got a lot of first-round picks. Got a lot of money over there. And you are coming into maybe uh, not the greatest organization, but you have the tools there to succeed. And for San Francisco, it's going to be a long offseason. An interesting offseason, knowing that you were this close, inches away from hopefully pulling something out. To know that all off-season thoughts of only if Brock Purdy had played will echo in our minds for six, seven months. To think that 
The quarterback room is now again a point of contention and controversy when it seemed like it wasn't going to be for a long time. To now have to find a new defensive coordinator to sign and choose to see who you're going to bring back and Jimmy Ward, who I hope is back. McGlinchey, who was really good down the stretch, but had his problems. To wonder who's playing a free safety if Gibson isn't back. He's an older guy. Do you replace him with a younger rookie or younger player? Can you re-sign Emmanuel Mosley? There are so many questions with the 10th most cap space and I'm assuming a lot of restructures along the way. What an end to San Francisco's season. What an awful way to end 2022-2023. And what an unfortunate way to learn about how the offseason is going to go. Had you won this year, you can say goodbye to whoever you wanted to. <laughs> it would have sucked, but you can say goodbye to whoever you wanted to. But that's not how life goes sometimes. That's not how being a Niner fan has gone. I feel like I've been traumatized by Niner quarterbacks in this team the past 26 years of my life. It sucks. I know this wasn't the whole you know deep dive into the game we wanted sometimes or the outcome of the game and what went wrong for San Francisco because... There's only one answer. One thing went wrong. The quarterback got hurt. The one thing that Kyle Shanahan's had had to deal with the most, the one thing that has plagued his quarterback room the most, injuries, reared its ugly head once again in the biggest game of the season. I have no idea what happens next. No idea. But I do know it's a long off season. We have a lot to talk about still. The draft's in April, only three months away, technically almost two months away. It's coming up close. We're not going to stop doing podcasts, but this is going to be a pivotal Niners offseason. Can they finally get over the hump next year? Can a quarterback just stay healthy for once, please? For once, all I ask. I don't care who it is, just stay healthy, please. God, please stay healthy. But... It sucks to lose. <laughs> it really does suck to lose, especially this way. You can only laugh. People out there criticizing Garoppolo for laughing on the sideline. What do you want him to do, people? It's Trey Lance was laughing too. Brock Purdy's in the huddle laughing. Who cares, people? Who cares? He can't change anything. The team knew at a certain point they couldn't change anything. Fred Warner looked at Greenlaw and laughed after a penalty he got. Because he knew, he's like, it's just going that way. That's today, it's just not our day. So who cares, he laughed. I don't. And if you have a problem with it, go fight him. Go fight Jimmy Garoppolo. Good luck. <laughs> I mean, God. Like, just shut up. Shut the frick up. <laughs> like, oh, man. I know it sucks to lose the way we did. I know it sucks to end a year the way it ended. But... Somehow, some way, we'll be all right. We always are. And just like Michael Scott would say, I'm ready to get hurt again. And hopefully it's not next year. Hopefully next year we are hoisting a sixth Lombardi trophy, but we have an 18-week season ahead of us. The Pro Bowl is this weekend, and the Super Bowl is in two weeks. Philadelphia against Kansas City. Two teams I cannot stand. But alas... 
the San Francisco 49ers 2022-2023 season has come to a heartbreaking halt and end as they lose 31-7 in the NFC Championship game and a lot of questions ahead of them in the offseason and many more to come once free agency and the draft start. That being said, thank you for listening all season long. Trust me, you guys have no idea what it's like to hear your, your positive feedback, the questions you ask us, or myself, excuse me. And to end the year this way, together, discussing the game together, going through the heartbreak together means so much to me. To be able to express myself, and I'm sure in return you can express yourself back to me when you listen to the podcast or you text me on, you know, uh, or DM me on Instagram. Like, that means so much to me. So thank you for listening all season long. 54 episodes this season. It's been a long Long ride from training camp and OTAs to the NFC Championship game. Not many fan bases or teams can say they've done that. And we can say we were the last four. Let's hope next year we can say we're the final one left standing. That being said, season may be over, but if you still want to use our promo code 49ers Access, 49ERSACCESS. You can still get a discount at SeatGeek.com. Save $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com. Again, promo code 49ers, access 49ERSACCESS. You can also still use our Fanatics link down in the description. Season's over. The discounts continue all off-season long. Use the link. Get money off a jersey, some Niner gear. If you're an Eagles fan, some Eagles gear. God. But again... Use our promo code. Use our link. Don't forget to follow us on social media at 49ers.access is the Instagram. Almost at 15,000 followers. The Twitter, 49ers underscore access, nearing 3,000 followers on Twitter. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave that review. And until next time, it won't be too long, but until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett saying thank you for listening. Thank you to the San Francisco 49ers for an amazing 2022-2023 season. This has been the 49er Access Podcast, and stay faithful.